Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Mandy and the F-Bomb. Okay, y'all, welcome back to the F-Bomb. Today we've got Kimberly Millington again, and she's been here before. um, But on this episode, the twist is that she's actually going to be interviewing me. So I guess here we go. Kimberly, welcome back. Thank you. And I, I always think it's weird whenever I call you Kimberly, because I know, like, typically you go by Millie. Yeah, or um, Kim. Or Kim. But what happens is, like, I go in between, like, wanting to call you Millie and Kimber, which is not your name, but Kimber is my sister's name. And so I always go in my head, Kimber, and then I just add the Lee at the end because I'm like, that's not her name. So It's totally fine. You can call yeah. me whatever you want because you're my friend. Oh, awesome. I mean, pretty much anything that you want. There's, a bit, I <laughs> There's guess. some lines. There's right? like a limit, and then we're not <laughs> friends anymore. But um, so the reason that we're doing this is because we were talking about your intro, and your mm-hmm. intro was incredible to this podcast, but it left me wanting. Well, I know more, but it still left me wanting to know more of the story and to know how you got from Dripping Springs, is that right? Mm-hmm. To Waco, Texas, right here where we are right now. And so I wanted to be able to just kind of like walk people through uh, that journey with you, like just ask you some questions and let you just tell me how you got from there to here and and what that process has been like. Okay. Okay. I mean, fire away. Okay. So um, at the end of the uh, introduction, you Mm -hmm. guys are in Dripping Springs and and you're, Mm -hmm. it's like you're starting to kind of awaken um, to, to, to this. So, so tell me uh, when you're in Dripping Springs, how old are your kiddos? So our, our oldest was 10 or 11 and then nine ish, eight, and then about probably four. Okay. And then we, we had, then whenever we started fostering, we had a newborn. Okay. And is that <clears throat> newborn um, with you guys still? Yes. Okay. And, and how old is that baby now? She is five. Ah, that's I so know. fantastic. She's so cute. Uh, okay. So, um, so you're in Dripping Springs, you've got a newborn. Mm-hmm. How, how long did it take before you guys went from, we have a newborn, we've said yes to foster care to to the adoption process. Like what was that time frame for you guys? Were you still in Dripping yeah. Springs when that happened? No. No. So what man, there's so much that went on in that season. And it was almost like since 2016, whenever we got licensed, I feel like life has just been 
so tumultuous and not in a bad way. Like there's been so many good things too, but it's almost like we started doing foster care and it's like the gates of chaos kind of opened up and it's been a continuous lesson in adjustment, adjustment and learning how to exist in like conflict and conflicting feelings and dichotomy. Um, So I'm, you're, you're asking what should be a simple question, but it's it's kind of just not. So um, our, our first placement, and, you know, I'm glad we're having this episode. One of the reasons that I don't, because it, it gives me a chance to, like, really say this. One of the reasons I don't talk about our foster story a ton is because I would say that our story is a unicorn story. And whenever people hear our story that don't maybe don't understand yet the purpose of foster care um, and the purpose of foster care is short term and short term could be a year it could be 18 months but in the span of a lifetime and the, the span of a childhood it's short term care short term care while biological parents are working to reunify with their kids that is the purpose of foster care for our story that also was the purpose of foster care in every case that we were involved in. The goal of the case was reunification. So just keeping that in mind, like that is my caveat as I'm telling our story that our story is a bit of a unicorn story and it is not typical. And so I'm always cautious telling our story because I don't want people that are um, just getting into foster care to get the wrong idea and think that it is an avenue, a, a assured avenue to adding to their family. Because for you guys, like that avenue was, I mean, it wasn't easy. It was, it's so it wasn't. It, it sounds like it. Right, yeah. Whenever I say like we've had, so we've had five cases that we have fostered okay. and four of those have ended up in adoption. And that is unheard of like not that it doesn't happen but it, it's just not it makes it sound easier than it was and also that wasn't our goal either like we knew that eventually we would have the opportunity we might have the opportunity to add to our family through adoption um but that wasn't the point so all that to say um we got licensed and two days later, we got a call for a two-day-old baby girl. And that is when, um, that is whenever we met our daughter, Rose. And we didn't know that we were meeting um, a child that would be in our family and we would have the privilege of raising. Um, so I've got this great picture of Mike meeting her for the first time. And we're in the hospital nursery. And... I'm asking the nurses, I want to, because at this point, I don't know how long she's going to be with us, but I want to be able to tell her the truth or send it on with, if she goes to relatives, send it on with relatives. And so I'm asking questions like, did her mama hold her? Did her mama kiss her? Did her mama love her? And the answer was yes, yes, yes. And I was so grateful um, and the story, the true story, is that there's never been a second that she wasn't loved and wanted and fought for. And so we we took her home and quickly realized, like, 
oh man, we really don't know what to expect whenever it comes to foster care because it was lots of paperwork and that too. And I, I just, I'm going to stay on this case for a, a second because it was so impactful to me. Um, back at the hospital, Mike was, and I guess to add to that too, I I was in a cast at the time, or I was about to be in a cast. I had hurt my ankle really badly. So we've got four kids at home. We're taking home a newborn. I'm on crutches being super stubborn because I have a high pain tolerance. And Mike was like, you've got to go get that checked out. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like I just rolled my ankle. It's fine. Like it's black and blue and swollen, but it's fine. Um, And so he's holding her and just loving on her. And I'm looking at the paperwork and I'm reading it. And I'm reading about her mama's story. And I'm tearing up um, because I just want to hug her. And I know out there somewhere there is a mama who loves her baby so much. And I'm taking that baby home. So how long was it before you got to hug her mom? Oh, um, about eight months. I think that, uh, you know, in all of our talking about you and your life and, and just over the course of our friendship, it's that relationship that you have with her mom that is just incredible to me. It is incredible to watch how you guys love her so well. And um, and so you you said that five placements, mm-hmm. um, four of them you've adopted. Mm-hmm. Are any of them related to each other? Yes. Yes. I've got three kiddos um, who have the same mom. This and mom you got to hug like mm-hmm. eight months later? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I still have... My relationship with her is one of the greatest treasures of my life. And have y'all gone through reunification with her every single time? Through no, she's she's never um, reunified. Okay. And um, was she ever in the process of trying to become reunified? Or- Absolutely. Okay. Great. Absolutely. Because that's super important to you, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you you want to support those who mm-hmm. are who are moving toward reunification mm-hmm. and and figuring out how to how to do that process, right? Yep. That's that's right. And so she was in a really hard place whenever Rose was born and um reunification wasn't possible. And um it was it was hard. It was hard on her and with with good understanding. I mean she loves her baby. She still loves her and adores her, and um, so it was really difficult. Um, So after that, after reunification didn't happen, she obviously wasn't thrilled, but she was grateful that, um, not like towards us, but for the situation that, that we also loved her. And um, I guess, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but was it what the behavior that we saw was um, familiarity and um, an effort to have a good relationship with us. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, But unfortunately, um, it's a lot. It's a lot for anybody to lose a child in that way. And so um, she kind of spiraled after that. And we lost touch for a while. And the next time I 
got in touch with her, it was because someone from CPS reached out to me and said, we have reason to believe um, that she's pregnant again. And um, at that point, we were in Waco. We had six kiddos. Our two youngest um, were, we hadn't adopted yet, but we were on the way towards adoption with our two youngest. And we heard that she was pregnant again. So we didn't know what that would mean for our family, um, but we knew that we loved her and we didn't know if she had any support or where she was or if she was safe. So I went looking for her. Um, so what what I don't talk about a ton is that, like, and I think this is the, the truth for everyone, like, you just can't judge a book by its cover. So, and I know you've got some some stuff from your past that's hard, and I've got some stuff from my past that's really hard. And so this incredible life that I get to to live right now, that's not necessarily the childhood that I had. Right, yeah. Um, so yeah. I guess all that to say, um, going to look for her um, in these places that were pretty unsavory um, was not – it. I don't want it to sound like, oh, I just sacrificed myself or like and just put myself in situations like that. I wasn't scared. I wasn't – this didn't feel abnormal to me. It felt normal. So – Was it triggering? For my own stuff? Yeah. I would say, yeah. Um, but not like – it was triggering because – I know that if I made, I'd made different decisions, um, I could have been exactly where she was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And it, it, what it, but what it makes me do is it makes me even more proud of her, even more proud of her because not only has she had such a hard time, um, but God, if you knew her, she has every reason to be a bitter, hateful, awful person just because of the, the things that have happened to her through no fault of her own. But she is one of the most loving, generous, kind, trusting people that I've ever met in my whole life. My whole life. She wants to love on people. She wants to be loved. She is so generous with her words and her time and her emotions, like, she's just so good. So going to look for her felt like going to look for for my family. I was, I was looking for, and that's what she is at this point. She is, she's mine. Um, she's in my bubble of, of people I say that are, are just mine. So we went to look for her. So you, you're going to look for her. And, and I guess the, what I'd like to know is, like, is it because of what you've been through and the things that you've been through in your past that, like, push you toward um, continuing to, like, show up for her? Um, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Trying to think about. So, no. I, w- I think initially that is what pulled me in. But no. Now it's just she's she's my family. Yeah. I talked to you that day that you were in um, low, you know, central Texas area. And you... You were you were looking, and you just kept saying, "She's like my sister. She's my family." Like you just kept, you know, reiterating that idea. And so, your love for her has been one of the most beautiful things. It is just, it really, is just an incredible thing about you. Um, so, you guys get to Waco, mm-hmm. right? You're in Waco. Did y'all move for job, family? What brought you to this this city? Yeah. Um, so before we lived in Drippings, well, my husband's from Dripping Springs and I'm from the South Austin area. Um, and we had lived in Colorado for a couple years before that. And oh, I love Colorado. I was going to say, you I miss that it. space. Yeah. I miss it every day. I miss the mountains every day. But we moved back. And um, the reason was we missed our people. We missed our people. We moved to Dripping Springs um, as kind of a holding place to decide what we wanted to do next. So we lived in Dripping. We had a wonderful, wonderful community. Hey, y'all, if y'all are my people in Dripping, I miss you guys. <laughs> um, so and we, we're still in touch um, with, with our people in Dripping, and we just love them so much. But um, what was happening was we were spending so much time on the road between Waco and Dripping Springs because our best friends in the whole world live in Waco. And we had always said that we wanted to raise kids together and wanted our kids to know each other and live in community. And so they had very established careers here. And I was at home with the kids and Mike has the ability to work from home. So at the we had rented in Dripping Springs for a while, just knowing that like at the end of this we need to decide where we're gonna buy and put down roots. And so it ended up like being Waco for sure. And I have not regretted it like a single second. Not a single second. This is exactly where we're supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about how many kiddos you have, like, you don't stop at eight. Like, you, it, it keeps going. It does. You've, like, taken, I mean, I mean, you guys do. Y'all do life together yeah. all the time. Every day. And and so your kids have a ton of support. Yeah. And you have a, right. have that support as well. That's I mean, right. the, the way that you guys navigate all of those things is just a, it, it's just a really beautiful relationship. Well, and that's the reason why we can do what we mm-hmm. do and why not just... I know eight kids is a lot. It's a lot to juggle. It's a 10-person household. Um, plus, um, we have the great privilege of living on a property that has two houses. And my dad lives on our property as well. And so 
it's this wonderful multi-generational, multi-family kind of community that we get to live in. Um, so all that to say, like, we get to do this every day. So I get to see um, my best friend and her kids every single day. Like, we manage school pickups and drop-offs, and our kids basically think they have, and they do, multiple houses because even on a school night, it's, oh, what? how many kids are going with you? Okay, how many kids do I have? Okay, great. It's It's awesome. So, you know, if somebody's listening, it's possible that they think that you live in some, you know, 10,000 square foot mansion with like a second house in the back that's like super fancy and your dad like, and you've got this pool. They probably have this imagery because you're saying that it's that, you know, 10 people live in a house. But what I want you to talk about is how you guys have navigated creating individualized spaces for 10 people in your house. Can yeah. you talk can you talk just a little bit about that cuz yeah. you know and and we, I do want to 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 go back to where you were um h- how all of these other kiddos ended up in your care where you know this mm-hmm. is where you're at but but really tell us about your house. Oh my gosh. So, no, not even close <laughs> to a mansion. We live in a 1960s like rancher. It's a single story. It started out as a three bedroom. Um, we affectionately call our house Ethel because she's real old and she smells a little bit funny. Um, <laughs> and that's, I don't know. I hope nobody's offended by that. But that's just where we are. We love Ethel. And we moved in and um, she needed a lot of work. She needed a lot of work. She is old brick and like those what are those things called that go over the windows like to shade them oh yeah yeah okay I'm with you (laughs) you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and it was just she was rough she was rough and everything like every space was like really divided and was there carpet in your bathrooms by chance because when we bought ours there was carpet in the no no carpet in the bathroom but um (laughs) the kitchen I got to talk about the kitchen um so again it's a smaller house it was built in the 60s, and so the ceilings are eight-foot ceilings. We're not talking about, like, a giant new – anyway, so eight-foot ceilings. But someone had thought it was a really great idea in the kitchen to drop the ceilings, and so they were seven-foot ceilings with the thickest popcorn you've ever seen in your life with glitter, like <laughs> – with glitter, with gold glitter, and not a little bit, not like a tasteful sprinkling. I don't know if you can do a tasteful <laughs> sprinkling of glitter in your popcorn, but um, just in the kitchen, just in the kitchen and dining room area, which is connected to your living room. So, like, there's this. Well, it used to be, or sorry, used to not be. Okay, it was everything was like. So you guys opened all of that. So up. yeah, okay. we we tend to just do. Just do it. Just do it. So um, we hired um, these really awesome contractors here in town to knock down the wall and put up a beam because at this point we were like, "Ah, we're not going to mess with the structure of the house in that way because it was a – like the support wall is basically what we needed to take down. But after that, like we were taping and floating and um, doing tile and name it, spraying texture. And so that was all of us doing so we've got pictures of like my kids that are laying tile and mixing grout and doing all the things so now we went from like a smaller three-bedroom 1960s rancher um to it's a five-bedroom because we thankfully it had like a really huge garage and the garage is not done yet but the the two bedrooms in the garage are fully finished and so we added um 
you know, those two rooms um, and um, a mini split AC because that's we needed. It's Texas. <laughs> so um, now it's a, a five bedroom. Our, our main house is a five bedroom and the back house is a different story. Didn't add a square footage. You created within yeah. what you already had. Yeah. So um, you you do keep you keep saying yes. And so, like, you you get another call, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so now you've got um, four biological kiddos, mm-hmm. two that you um, were uh, in the process of adopting mm-hmm. but had not. So then what happens next? So actually adding number seven was very difficult. Um, and it's not necessarily that it was a difficult choice. It was, um, wasn't a difficult choice. Um, we definitely didn't do it flippantly. We really had to examine if we had the capacity um, to be able to add another child. But what was difficult was that in Texas, the capacity, if you are a foster parent, the capacity is six. Now, there's some stuff that happened within the law where um, the capacity is actually, if you if you read the law, the capac- capacity was actually raised to eight. Um, and so we thought we would be fine because that law had been voted on, I believe, in March of that year and should have been in effect in September. And baby was due to be born in November. So we thought we would be fine. So um, in addition to capacity being raised from six to eight, it was also said within the law that um, children related to the caregivers so biological and adopted children are in in under the eyes of the law viewed as related to the caregiver. Um, so those children shouldn't count towards the total. So mm-hmm. we were we were like, okay, well it's gonna be okay. And I wanna go back to like finding mom. I because the assumption was never we are going to adopt this baby. That wasn't our assumption what so what happened was I went to go look for her and I kept looking for her because I knew kind of what areas she frequented and one day I saw her um, I was in town and I always went through those areas on purpose to look for her and I saw her walking down the street and she was so skinny but very obviously pregnant she ran to me and she ran to me and she hugged me and she was so happy to see me. And I remember being hugged by her, just going, I don't, I don't deserve this. Like, how is she such a good human? Um, so we talked about um, her pregnancy and she had said, like, I, I think I, I have a family that would like to, to take care of this baby. And so I said, okay, great. Okay, great. Um, then we need to make sure to tell CPS ahead of time that that is your plan. Whatever you want to do is okay. This is your baby. But I want to tell you what typically what protocol is. And typically what happens is if there is a baby born that looks like they are going to um, be placed in foster care that has a sibling that is already in care or adopted, they typically reach out to whoever has that sibling um, because they try to keep siblings together. And it was really important to me for her to know 
what policy typically is because I didn't want her for a second to think that we were trying to manipulate the situation and take away her power. Because you knew you would get the call. I knew I would probably get the call. And so if she had a family, I wanted to make sure we were on the same page and I could direct CPS to those, to whoever it was. But whenever I said that, her eyes got so big and she was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's like it never dawned on her. Oh, wow. She said, you would, you would take this baby? And I was like, oh, babe, like, of course. Like, we love you. We love you. Of course we would. Mandy and the F-Bomb is produced by Rogue Media. Make sure to like and follow us on social media. And you can find our show anywhere you get podcasts or at roguemedianetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.